the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. I've given up on politics because I think it's just going to, it's just, we keep playing this thing over and over and over again and expecting uh, different outcomes. And it seems to be the same outcome. And I'm, I'm more of a believer in the individual and the individual going out and doing something and just saying, you know what, I, I don't care what people tell me I can or can't do. I don't care if they tell me that it's uh, ridiculous because it's not. If we just decide to do it, I want to introduce you to a guy, Bob Goff, who I think has a similar attitude. Uh, welcome, Bob. How are you? Thanks a million for having me on. You Good bet. to be with you. Um, you're a you're an attorney from uh, San Diego area. Yes, thirty years. Uh, and you are a best selling author now. Um, you have a new book out called uh, Everybody Always, uh, and, but your last one was Love Does. Um, I want you to I want you to give the audience for anybody who doesn't know you a, a sense of who you are and start with start with the the fact that you have no television in your house and <laughs> what happened on September 11th in your house with your children. Yeah, well I was uh practicing law. I uh, had I can't tell you about me without telling you about the yeah. sweet Maria Goff, my bride of 33 years. Uh and then we have three kids and this whole idea of uh, living a purposeful life, like we're confronted with so much mm-hmm. information, so much tragedy around us. One of the things that I've uh, decided to do is I was just going to start with my family. And so we decided uh, to get rid of the television. And when the uh, when September 11th happened, I came home and I told the kids that there's something horrible that happened in the country. And, and we sat around this table that we have in the kitchen and... Uh, and I said, if you had five minutes in front of a leader in the world, uh, what would you say to him? And I love my, my son was seven at the time. He said, you know what? I'd invite them over for a sleepover. And that actually makes a lot of sense. You know, it does. <laughs> put their hand in the goldfish bowl, see if it makes them pee. <laughs> and it works. So uh, my uh, uh, nine-year-old said, I would ask them what they're hoping in. Um, because I would say like, if you find out what people are hoping for, you find out a lot more about them. And then our 11 year old, she was the precocious one. She said, I would say this, if they couldn't come over for the sleepover, I would ask this leader if we could come over to their house and do an interview and ask them, what are you hoping for? And get a message of hope to pass on to another leader. So we downloaded the CIA website. We felt like we were hacking into NORAD. We got the (laughs) name of every leader in every country, figured out their addresses and wrote them. And we got a post office box because we did not want Ahmadinejad to know where we live. And so, <laughs> and so we sent all these letters. And after school every day, we would go over and to the, get the mail out. And the kids would be in the back seat. They would ask me about these countries. I'm like, I don't know. That's east of here, apparently. So, <laughs> but we always got the most pleasant nose. And it was Tony Blair at the time. He said, like, you know, like jolly good show. Like, forget mm. it. But jolly good show about <laughs> right. the meetup. Um, but then they got the leader of Bulgaria. He wrote to them and he said, if you'll come to the palace uh, in Sofia, I'll give you your interview. And then, then the prime minister of Switzerland said, if you'll come to Bern, I'll give you your interview. And then the president of Israel said, if you'll come to Jerusalem, I'll give you. We got 19 yeses. So I pulled the kids out of school. Their That's teachers great. had a cow. I'm like, right. sue me. <laughs> yeah. So there's something just really beautiful about that. And I love 
that it's this idea of a childlike faith. Like that idea that uh, look to your kids. You want to like do something awesome for the world? Plug into your family. Because you would, you would th- as an adult, and the older you get, the secret to staying young, I think that's what Jesus meant when he said, come to me as a child. Oh, bingo. Yeah. I mean, it's just totally. you still believe you haven't been worn down by the world to say it won't work. Yeah. Won't work. And if you've been convinced that it won't work, get a puppy. Like literally just... <laughs> No, you no, because then I'm convinced, uh, you know, potty training doesn't yes, work. Yes, <laughs> I worked it right in the middle of yeah. that. The only thing our dog has missed is the lawn so far. But, <laughs> but one of the things that uh, let the children kind of lead us and let uh, we're seeing that in society. We see that over and over. Go do that with your family. So we went and uh, we would go into there's this uh, one uh, uh, country they had. Uh, just been involved in all kinds of stuff and uh the leader walks in and he said children you know i'm more nervous meeting with you than Mm. if i was meeting with the president of the united states right now and then he said and when i get nervous i get hungry and he claps his hand and all these servants come in with like jars of candy and ice cream it's just really beautiful there's something about this idea of leading with love and it takes a childlike faith to get there. Not childish, because most of us guys have childish yeah, nails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But childlike, to just remain hopeful, even in the face of overwhelming difficulties. One of the places you went to was Uganda, right? Yeah. Uh, and um, we've done some stuff in Uganda because there's there there's still sacrifices. I've heard. Yeah, hu- human sacrifices in Uganda with these witch doctors. And they kidnap children and sacrifice them. And it's it's horrifying. It's horrifying. And you stop it in one place and then it pops up in another place because it's still part of their culture. But you being an attorney, you found that for a long time there wasn't a law. But then like three years before you got there, they had passed a law to stop all this, but nobody was enforcing it. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. Because people are afraid. Like the judges were afraid. Everybody was afraid. But it just takes uh, courageous people to make big change. Like that idea to just, and we don't measure, like God doesn't compare our leaps. Just, uh, I would say for everybody listening, make your next courageous step, whatever that is. And so for me, I was a lawyer, knew how to try cases. And um, the problem with this child sacrifice, there's always a victim, but they're always dead. Uh, and it all changed a couple of years ago. A little boy, we'll just say his name is Charlie, he's walking home from school and gets abducted by the leader of all of these witch doctors. And they Uh, they try to do this sacrifice. They cut off all of his private parts and leave him for dead, but the kid doesn't die. So for the first time we had a victim who survived and we've got the witch doctor. So I asked, could we try Uganda's first death penalty case? Uh, And they said, "Uh, you will never get a judge who will touch that. Uh, But then we found a judge and we tried the case and the word of this conviction went to 41 million people. And here was the message. You touch a kid it's over. There's something beautiful about that idea of like, there's no love without justice, but there's also no justice without love. So after this conviction happens, the boy is all torn up. This attack happens with a machete. A doctor in Los Angeles, here's what happened. And he calls me up at home. He said, Bob, I I heard what happened to this little kid and I can fix him. And I'm like, buddy, you didn't hear what got cut off. You can't fix that. And he said, I'm the chief of surgery at Cedar sinai Medical Center. I can fix them. And I said, what? 
So oh. I drive up to Los Angeles. He takes out a piece of paper and he starts drawing out what he's going to do, which is way too much information. <laughs> and, and I asked him, if they find that at TSA, I'm going to jail. And, and I said, how much would that cost? And he said, it'd be staggering, but I'll do it for nothing. I'm like, I can afford nothing. So I fly back to Uganda. We find the little boy in the bush. And my first stop is court and become his legal guardian. And we're flying back uh, for this operation. And I get off the plane in London and, and he, he's holding it. He says, Father, could we just walk the rest of the way? I'm like, oh, buddy. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and I open up my laptop to see if there's uh, any messages in there. This is the time when Obama's in office yeah. and, and there's a message in there. It says White House. And the message is really short. It just says, we'd like to meet Charlie. And I thought it was some of my friends, guy, yeah, friends like yeah, you yeah. guys that would just like pull a fast <laughs> one. And, uh, and it's legit. And this kid that was standing in the bush in Uganda is now standing in the Oval Office. And I think like, why does that happen? And here's the deal. It's that childlike faith. And no matter what age you are, you can actually start thinking about what might be possible. And I just want to continue to live into that, even against the, all of the horrific things that are going on to remain hopeful and engaged. Not okay. just put smiley faces on, but just say yeah. like, so what's my next step? So what's my next leap? Here's the thing that I, 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 that I think of all the time. If I, if I have cancer, for instance, go to a doctor over and over and over again. This happens to people all the time. They, something's wrong, but the doctors can't find it. If that's happened to you, you get to a point where you're like, I don't care if it's cancer. I just want to know, you know, and I think there is hope when when there is knowledge that there is something you can do that whether it works or not is unknown. But once you know, I I have no hope in a doctor who says, oh, you know, it's just a little spot on your lung and, uh, you know, it's nothing. And he knows it's cancer. Don't tell me that I'm I'm hopeless. Tell me that it's cancer and I can find hope. We have to we have to not just be the putting smiley faces on things and going, oh, no, it's not so bad. It is. It's bad. It's bad. But now take us from it's bad to how to find that hopeful place. We're with Bob Goff, an amazing uh, man, uh, not a. You know, not a Tony Robbins kind of guy who makes his living uh, being a motivational speaker, but is truly motivational in everything that I've ever seen him uh, in because it's uh, he's infectious. Courage is contagious. And so is hope. Uh, and uh, and Bob just made the point that we, we, we need to find hope. So h- how do you do that? How do you find real hope uh, in a sea of despair? Yeah, I I uh, know a simple answer for anything, but the first thing that sprung to my mind is it's a life of engagement and that idea of engaging the people around you, engaging the issues around you, but not necessarily with a petition, engage it with everything you've got, with your love, with your hope, with your energy, find these things. We were talking about uh, a wrong that was done in Uganda, engage. If you're good as a lawyer, go do a bunch of that. If you're good at loving people, go do a bunch of that. I don't want people to meet just my opinions. I don't want them to actually meet me. And the way to meet me is to be curious about that. So you, when you sat down, I told you, you passed a test that almost no one passes. I think there's maybe been two people. And we've had great people in a career of 40 years. I've had great people around. 
um, that I've interviewed. I think I can honestly say two, maybe there's been five that have walked into the room, said hello to me, and then said hello to Stu or the other people on the air. But then the important thing, looked at the people who are holding the camera, doing the makeup, introducing yourself, looking them in the eye and engaging with them. That rarely happens. Rarely. Mm. Uh, it's sad. But it's to me, it's a test of who are you really? Uh, and, and you pass that. And from, from what I understand, you were out in the green room and you were out in the hallway and you were having conversations. You came in here and you started looking around. You're very observant, uh, which I think kind of passes all of us by sometimes. We just kind of, we just engage in the moment and do what we have to do with that person. Yeah, I think each of us are looking for these same things in our life, like love and purpose and connection and then authentic relationships. And if we just start skipping across the desk, uh, we just turn our life into a bunch of transactions. And I just don't want to be, I'm not a touchy feely guy. I'm a trial lawyer. Um, but you I want to have seem like a trial. <laughs> Isn't that a, I'm the only guy trying a hundred million dollar case with a Mickey mouse watch, um, <laughs> but I'll tell you, it'll be the third month of the trial and somebody in the box will say Mickey mouse watch. I'm like, I just won. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but this whole idea, this overarching idea that we'll be known for our opinions, but remembered for our love. So I think we need to each ask. Like, what so, are we going to be remembered for? Okay, so I, I want to have, I mean, I could spend a day with you, but I, I want to c- come back here in a second and and show me how you remain optimistic as a trial lawyer. I can't think of a worse job. I, yeah. can't, I can't think of a worse job. You're surrounded by dirt bags, lying, the system, and yet you hold it. So give me some some real life examples let's start with one of your philosophies uh where the one of the things that you take away from the jesus story and that is tell no one yes i love that big moment it's this simon peter you know jesus says who am i and says some say you're a teacher and actually he was an awesome teacher (laughs) some say you're a prophet he was actually an awesome prophet and then he uh, simon peter says you're god and Jesus said, you nailed it. Uh, but I love that he said, flesh and blood doesn't reveal that to you, but the spirit. And we've got a lot of people where faith is important to them. And they're trying to like do the spirit's work. Like just, they're trying to tell everybody what Jesus is. Two verses later, he says, tell no one. <laughs> I love that. I don't think it's supposed to be a secret. I think he means show them, don't tell them. So show people what you believe. We'll know what we believe when everybody sees what we do. I don't care which is somebody says, I got a lot of things I believe, but see what I do. See what you do. You're doing this. You're just spreading a lot of hope for people. So you are, uh, so, but but do you set out to, you know, another, another Jesus thing. And it kind of reminds me of you. Pay no attention to what's going to happen tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about where you're going to lay your head. Don't worry about any of it. Just go do it. That seems to be your mantra. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So know why you're doing what you're doing. So for instance, uh, I'm married. We got three kids. Two Two of those are married. And I want to be a grandpa. Like more than the worst thing in the whole, I just is, want that so bad. Uh, I'm expecting, they're not expecting, yeah, I'm expecting <laughs> right, every right. day. My son actually with his uh, wife went to Hawaii. He said it rained all week. I'm like, 
Yes. <laughs> More wine to the cabana. Um, so, so one of the things, if you know why you're doing what you're doing, and I just want to be, we were talking about being available. So I put my cell phone number in the back of a couple million books and I get a hundred calls a day. It is legitimately, a- legitimately the last sentence of, of the book. It talks about, if you ever want to talk about any of the ideas, my phone number is, give me a call sometime if I can be helpful. Isn't that awesome? It's just been so crazy. People don't follow vision. They follow availability. And I'm never the smartest guy in the room, particularly right now, but I can be the most available guy in the room. And so if you know why you're doing what you're doing, how do you do that? I just get constantly interrupted. Like literally just constantly. And Jesus was constantly interrupted. People are tugging on his shirt, calling his name from trees. Like they just... Uh, just live a life with constant interruptions. And what it reminds me over and over again is not to be efficient in the way that I love people, but to be extravagant. That was one of the hallmarks that Jesus had. What does that mean? Extravagant love. Just not giving people a little bit. Just give them your best. I got, we uh, took all the money from Love Does and just gave it all away. And so we've been going around building schools in countries. So, which cracks me up because my worst subject in school was school. Um, <laughs> but we're actually pretty good at starting them. So we've got one in Uganda, one in Iraq, one in Somalia. Uh, we've got one going into a country that doesn't do that. <laughs> That's in two weeks. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? We start. <laughs> I'll check back in with you in three. So one of the whole ideas is to fail trying. Don't fail watching anymore. Fail trying. So if you see something, don't just identify with that, but to just say, what's my piece in that? We had guys on yesterday. They were up in uh, uh, Indianapolis and they had potholes in their town and they were reading, you know, they knew how bad it was and they were reading in the newspaper that the state couldn't afford it. The city couldn't afford it. It was $700 billion or whatever to fix all the potholes. So they went to, they took 50 bucks. They went to the hardware store. They bought asphalt and they just started fixing potholes. Done. Right. And what is amazing about this is so far the city knows about it and hasn't stopped them. Immediate, I would think immediately, oh, you're, they're going to come. They just didn't stop. They just went out and did it. Yeah. But they're I in would. their 20s too. <laughs> they yeah. haven't lived a life of, don't do that. Yes. Yeah. What if the, uh, as you're constantly thinking uh, about what do you want to be remembered for? And I just want to be remembered for somebody who is engaged. And here's the crazy part. Like God isn't dazzled when you go across an ocean. He's wowed when you go across the street. Uh, when this idea of loving your neighbor, I don't think it's just a metaphor for something else. I think it actually means love your neighbor. <laughs> We've, we've got a mailman on our block. He's lousy at it. He's not a detail guy. So we, <laughs> <laughs> so we get everybody else's. Actually, one of my neighbors was getting audited. I had to bring it over. I'm like, stinks to be you. So, <laughs> so well, Art, after 20 long years, finally said he was going to retire. I'm like, praise the Lord. And so <laughs> we decided to make him the grand marshal of our parade. We have a parade on our block. Our block's only, you know, 10 houses long on each side. And so uh, eight hundred people showed up to see art to let him know just how much they loved him even though he's a lousy mailman everybody in the whole community knew it and we got a convertible we filled it full of envelopes we just said art just throw them in the air do what you do every day <laughs> and there was such an outpouring <laughs> of love right <laughs> towards this guy he called me up the next day and said bob i'm coming out of retirement i'm like oh, no, no! But what'll happen when people know that they're loved, when they actually know that they're respected, this idea of 
being ready to make a defense for the hope that's within you doesn't mean to point bony fingers at people. They forget the last sentence that says with gentleness and respect. And if we could just treat people with gentleness and respect, knowing that you've got beautiful things in your life and God might be doing something different in your life than my life. Last Saturday, there was a wedding planner that was praying for sunshine and there was a farmer praying for rain, mm-hmm. right? And just to assume that God's up to different things in other people's lives and be a little bit more patient with them as we're getting there. Uh, but to do the things we can uh, hope for a lot of things, but hope on the move. People say like love's a verb. I think hope is. I don't know about my grammar, but I'll tell you, <laughs> hope on the move is unstoppable. That's what your your guys were doing with the potholes. They're saying that's hope on the move. I'm not waiting for permission. Your life is your permission. Somebody like birthed you and said, go. Now go do beautiful, immense things, but do it with gentleness and respect. Uh, I can try death penalty cases against witch doctors, but that old whole idea of loving your neighbor and loving the people love your enemy, right? So after the trial, I started meeting with witch doctors. I sent out word on the Bush radio that the consul general for Uganda is here, and I command every witch doctor to meet with me. Glenn, they came. <laughs> I've met with a thousand witch doctors, and they are creepy Dude, they, make like, they make dolls that look like me and stick stuff in it. <laughs> no wonder I always have a headache. And uh, so I asked these guys, what do you need? And they said, we don't know how to read or write. So get this. I started a witch doctor school. <laughs> we don't teach them how to be witch doctors. They already know. We teach them how to read and write. And the only books we have in witch doctor school are the Bible and love does. And so this whole idea, you should see our graduation ceremonies. I mean, they're awesome. Well, I bet yeah so i grab each of these witch doctors by the face and i give them a kiss on the forehead (laughs) i want to be every witch doctor's first guess and and (laughs) i just whispered to them like like do good like live your life in a way uh, they're already the leaders in the community live a life in a way that gives great honor and respect to people okay so now i want you just 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 take this back here as i understand this story Here's a guy I introduced to you 40 minutes ago, and it started at his table with his children on September 11th. They wrote a letter. Uh, He first asked, what would you say to the world leaders? They respond. Most people would stop there. He said, let's write and let's invite them to come here. We'll go there and interview them and find out what they hope for. Uh, And uh, 20, no, 19 of them said yes. Most people would go, okay, well, we're not going to. They went to all 19. Yeah. Went to all 19, (laughs) interviewed. While he was in Uganda, finds problems. He's an attorney. Says, well, maybe I can just help. He starts to help. They invite you to be the, they invite you, you think, to be counsel, meaning they wanted you to be a counselor and an attorney there, but you're actually the ambassador, not of, uh, from, uh, to the, wait, you're not the ambassador. from the united states to uganda you're the ugandan ambassador to america right the consul yes consul okay and so now you are educating witch doctors and teaching them how to do good that's a remarkable 15 years what if you just live a life engaged and it wouldn't be any different than other people like this whole idea of living an engaged life we're not graded on a curve just engage the people around you engage the people you love but engage them with love 
like uh, engage them with that childlike faith. Then to see what happened, we would finish each interview with these world leaders and they care, what do you bring to some of these guys? Like uh, some places the chocolate would melt. And so the kids brought the key to our front door and they gave it to them in a little box. And and we, they, they said, you know, we came over to your house. If you ever want to come to our house, here's the key to the front door. And you know what? Somebody, I'm not going to tell you who, but they uh, emailed uh, from the embassy to our kids because it's they don't have my email address. It's the kids doing this. And they said, we'd like to use our key. And they did. Oh, you're kidding. That whole idea, just <laughs> engage people. See what will happen. Do a cannonball. Don't put your toe in the water. Grab your knees. And then just see what'll happen. Start with your family. Let these concentric rings go out. If faith is a big deal, do do it because faith's a big deal for you. But don't try to talk everybody into it. Let let God will let people uh, know that He's around because He's there. Like it'll just continue to continue to reveal Himself, and not in mystical ways. It'll just be by meeting loving people. So I want to be that guy, and I'm trying, and I'm not quite there. Uh, I always get my first call. It's always five in the morning from some dude in Atlanta because it's eight in the morning there and it's five in San Diego. I got my last call at midnight from two witch doctors in witch doctor school. And they said, uh, a little boy's been abducted and this new witch doctor's taken him into the bush for a child sacrifice, but we know where he is. Should we go get the kid? And I'm standing on my bed in my boxers yelling into the phone. I'm like, get the kid! And four hours later, I get a text message from these two guys that used to be bad guys. And they said, we've rescued the child. He's with his mother. And the last two words of the text message, love does. I've spent my whole life avoiding the people Jesus spent his whole life engaging. And I've just decided I'm just not going to avoid people anymore. I'm going to engage the people who creep me out. I'm not going to just avoid them, but I'm not going to engage them. Is that what them. this interview is all about? Yeah. You're engaging yeah. people. No. Oh, you want to know something great? The cover of uh, Everybody Always looks yeah. like a bunch of balloons. Yeah. I flew over to Uganda after, you know what it's like when you get a book cover and they send yeah, yeah, all yeah. these samples. They all look hokey. So I flew over to Uganda. I got the witch doctors to p- make the cover out of their fingerprints. <laughs> wow. Uh-huh. wow. Isn't that terrific? But engage people. And they're like, what's this about? I'm like, well, actually, I'm going to go write a book about loving people and loving the people who creep you out. And you guys used to creep me out a lot. You still creep a lot of people out, but, I, but I'm learning from you. You're actually teaching me more about love because I'm learning about you and your life. And I see who you're becoming, not who you used to be. And it's starting to change me. They've actually taught me. I don't know if I've taught them anything. They're teaching me a ton. I have to tell you, Bob, and I don't know if you take this as a compliment or not, but I have worked with, uh, or I have been around and worked with, some of the uh, biggest uh, spiritual leaders of multiple faiths uh, in the last 20 years um, and, and, and have met the worst and the best. Uh, Billy Graham, one of the best. I won't list some of the worst. You may be the best preacher I've ever met. And it's not because you're preaching. It's because you're doing it. And that's the secret if we just stop preaching to each other and we stop uh, trying to get each other baptized or trying to fix everybody's life by selling you X, Y, or Z, just just live it yourself. It, 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 people change. Isn't that people crazy change. how that works? So like you know why you're doing what you're doing. Uh, I dressed up uh, to come visit with you by, by taking off my baseball cap. I wear this uh, Boston Red Sox hat, not because I'm a Red Sox fan, 
I, I haven't even gone to a baseball game. But <laughs> one of the reasons I wear it, my neighbor across the street was a big Red Sox fan, and she was going to be with Jesus by the end of the week. So we made a deal. I said, I will wear your Red Sox hat for the rest of my life and represent the Sox here. But every time Jesus walks by you, you need to mention my name. <laughs> There's this verse about you that says, I knew you not. I'm like, Carol. <laughs> so if you know why you're doing what you're doing, why you're engaging people in conversation, why you're doing this, like, it'll give a lot of clarity to your life. You're amazing. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks so much for having me, for making me feel so welcome, and for spreading a lot of joy and hope to people. Thank you. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network.